0: I'm Karen and I'm Michelle we're sisters and homeschool moms welcome to the layers of learning podcast
1: where we talk about family-style homeschooling
0: hi welcome to the podcast today I'm Karen and I'm Michelle we were going to talk about reading aloud to our kids I would say it's our whole family's favorite time of our school day it is the thing above anything else that we've done that has made my kids into readers Is is me reading aloud to them. That's what makes them love books and love stories.
1: Also along those same veins, probably the one thing that has made them lifelong learners, I think. Because my kids love books now. And so even without me reading to them, they read
0: so much on their own. It's surprising to me. I have, as I've mentioned before, kids that have some trouble reading, like they've got dyslexia and some other pretty serious issues. And all of them, our readers and I'm like how how did that happen I think it's it's most well it's two things one is the read aloud and the other thing is that I never pushed reading like I would we had a set reading time you need to read for 30 minutes or you need to read for 40 minutes but I didn't tell them you have to read this book and you have to finish this many chapters and then there will be a test you know we left it very yeah. comfortable and happy and but the read alouds that is what made them love stories long before they were comfortable enough to read on their own We always talk about how mom read to us when we were little
1: kids. So we fell in love with books young. Mm -hmm. But I
0: have continued
1: to fall in love with books over the course of my life. Especially as I've read them to my kids, I'm like, wow. There are certain books that I just love that I'm so glad are a part of me. And I wouldn't have done that if I didn't spend the hours and hours and hours reading to my kids.
0: Something that I didn't expect, I think, is that it creates bonds. It makes family ties. And and I think as a child growing up, our mom read to us, but when you're a kid, I don't think you see it the same way you do as when you're an adult. Like, now I can see... You see that, the fruits of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I can see that, that having read that book together, we are now talking about it. You know? Yeah. When you have read
1: a story together, that becomes part of your cultural reference, and you have it in common. And so, yeah, it creates bonds and yeah. discussion.
0: Yeah. And... Well, the the other day... Garrett and I were on a hike in the... We live in the wilderness. So it was like we'd walk out our door and we're on the mountain. Right? And if you're on a hike. We're on a hike. So, so we, were, we were walking around in the mountains. And uh, we started talking about a book that we're reading aloud right now. It's called The Story That Cannot Be Told. It takes place in 1989, Romania. So that's, that's the year that Romania had their revolution to overthrow their communist government. And they reestablished... Um, a republic, you know, and, and limited government during that time. And so the book, of course, it's in this setting where there, it's it's fraught, right? And it's told from the point of view of a little girl. She's about 11, I think, in the book. And so Garrett and I are talking about how we don't even know what we have, you know, that we have this freedom and we don't appreciate it because we're, we're learning about this girl who has to keep secrets and she has to go away and hide and live with her grandparents because the Securitat is on to them. And, you know, it's just like, we don't realize how much we just take for granted. It gives you a picture into another world. Yeah. And so Garrett and I are having this great discussion about the importance of liberty and how important it is to have free speech and all these other things because of this book that we read. We had an experience, in other words, through mm-hmm. this book that we never could have had on our own. At least I, I really hope we never have yeah. <laughs> on our own, right? And so because we can see it through this other person's eyes... Now, we have had this shared experience through this book and we can talk about it.
1: I think that's what books do. They open up your eyes to a world that you don't know. Even if it's a historical fiction that is our world, we haven't experienced all of those things. So if it's dystopian, if it's historical, if it's a biography of someone, all of these things give us a little bit of insight into someone else's
0: life. And I love that. Yeah, it. I've heard it said that you can only live one life, but if you read, you can live a thousand lives. Yeah, exactly. Another one that I think impacted us that we read recently is Where the Red Fern Grows.
1: We read that recently too. I
0: cannot get through the end of that book without crying. My (laughs) kids actually
1: were a little bit mad at me when I read that. They were like, mom, you knew that was the end and you read it to us? You're so mean. (laughs) you need to experience that without having to experience it
0: you know yeah well and garrett was annoyed because he's like what does a red fern have to do with anything because you don't get to it until like the very yeah. last page yeah and so <laughs> <laughs> he's thinking they mistitled this yeah. Whole thing. <laughs> yeah and i'm like just wait wait for it wait for it, <laughs> wait for it. Yeah. but yeah you can have you can have discussions about that i mean with that book you know you can talk about how love isn't just romantic love sometimes we in the West, <laughs> reduce it to that level. Mm-hmm. But the love in that book, it transcends that, you know, that we're talking about a whole nother level of love, a deep selfless love. Yeah. And with the the dogs and the boy and everything that he does to... You,
1: you get to address love and loss. Yeah. And I love his relationship with his grandpa, even how it was different than with his parents. Uh-huh. His relationship with his sisters was different still. There's so much that you can talk about in a
0: simple story that... I don't know, read-alouds just yeah, do no, that for you. And, and think about this for a minute. That, that's a kid's book, right? Most of our read-alouds are kids' it, books. Well, they are. <laughs> and we're going to talk about how we choose them in a minute. But but think about how the best books always have these deep themes. They always talk about something more than just a pretty story, right? Yeah. yeah. And and so those are the ones that we choose for read-alouds. All of my favorite books are actually like children's Junior, or Junior fiction. Yeah. yeah, I know. Okay, so Karen... What do you think makes for a great read aloud? Like, how do you pick, this is a good book to read? (laughs) This is ridiculous.
1: But I took a literature class in college, and this professor was basically convincing us that we should never read an ugly book. He was like, they always say, don't judge a book by its cover, do. (laughs) 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 Which is really silly, and I can't say that I never read books that don't have attractive covers. But he basically said, we have a world of books. There are more books than you could ever read in your life. So choose the best books. And he wasn't really talking about covers. What he was talking about is how to choose good books. And his biggest criteria was actually, does this give you a lens into another world in some way? It can be our world, but into someone else's eyes. And those are the exact things that we were talking
0: about. If you can't discuss it, it's probably actually not a very good book. Yeah, and it's, it, you can read fluffy books sometimes. I call them fluffy books. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, if you want a escapist, but I wouldn't pick those as my read aloud. But think of a book like Ramona Quimby. That's not one that we consider, like, a deep discussion
1: book. And yet there are lots of discussion points in it. It makes you think about this little girl who had such a fiery personality that she interacted with the world
0: a little differently. It It, it still is a glimpse into... A different world, especially now. When when we first read it, it was almost contemporary, like it was our times, right? The nineteen (laughs) eighties. We don't want to say that too many times. That was our childhood. (laughs) That was our childhood. But now, the nineteen eighties. I mean, she lived in a different. That's a different world than than kids are in now. But our level of technology has changed our world. Well, not even just that, though. I mean. Our attitudes about child raising are so different. Oh, yeah. I mean, those kids were free range. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All kids were in the 80s. That was our childhood, right? Yes. I remember
1: us wandering off, and we would play for the day and come back, like, at the end of the day. We knew we had to be back at 5. That was always... Yeah, yeah. 5 o'clock was chores. Uh Uh-huh. But, yeah, we'd go tube down the river and go play at the park and ride bikes. We'd be gone all day. Oh, yeah. And we didn't have any phones or way to contact mom. We just... She knew we were fine as long as we were back by five, right?
0: I, I don't know. She, I, I never thought about it from her perspective. She's a worrier, so who knows what she. She let us though. She did let us. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: yeah, the '80s was a, it's a different world to what our kids have grown up in, and so when we read that to them, it's interesting to talk about. It's interesting yeah, so, to
0: compare. So a book that gives you a puts you in someone else's shoes, puts you in their perspective. Yeah, I wouldn't say. It has to be a book that teaches a lesson. I just want a book that opens my eyes to a new experience. experience. Yeah. Yeah. I also think it is imperative that a read aloud be action-packed with a great plot. Oh, yeah. You have to want to find out what's next, you know? Like, there are some great books that are a little slow that I would read on my own, but that I wouldn't pick as a read aloud.
1: Yeah, me too. My kids have to fall in love with the characters, or else there's almost no point. They don't want to know what happens next cuz they don't care about the characters. Right. So you need good, interesting characters. I mean, in general, this isn't always true, but dialogue is really telling in a book. If an author is good at dialogue, then it's probably an excellent book.
0: Yeah. That's true.
1: But I don't I don't really open the book and go, "Okay, let's check it over." Let's make sure it's okay. And I don't even read every book before I read it aloud to my kids. Oh, no, I don't either. But we have had books where we've said, okay, we've started this, we're 60% through, and we still don't care about a single character, and we put it down. We have done that.
0: Yeah, we've done that before, too. We've also powered through some.
1: Yeah. So, actually, Fable Haven has become maybe one of my kids' favorite series. And when we started that book, they hated it. Really? Yeah. They did not connect with it for a good portion of the book and we powered through the first one and right at the end they were like okay we actually now want to find out and we end up reading the entire series and then they read the companion series and they love it. It's I would say probably their favorite read aloud of all time. But the first one was hard for them to get through and I don't know why but sometimes you do power through
0: and you connect. Yeah. And sometimes you power through and you don't. But that that's yeah. again that's okay. Um, How about you? What else besides a good plot, good characters? Is there anything that you look for? Well, in just account? in general, the writing should be good. Good writing, especially when you're talking about a children's book, means simple writing, straightforward writing, simple vocabulary—not childish vocabulary, but, but normal if, words. You and know? if they spend six pages describing the setting, that's yeah, you're like that's boring. Okay, you, went
1: too, you yeah. went
0: too far. You went too far, too <laughs> far. So you know, just just in general, good writing. I feel like most books that are published by a publishing house, when they're in the children's category, are good writing. That's not true in the adult category. There's a lot of bad writing Mm -hmm. in, in adult professionally published books. But in children's literature, I think they have to be more exacting. I think there's a higher bar there for some reason.
1: Okay, I have a friend who's an author and she wrote a series and when she took it to her publisher, her publisher said, okay, cut this down by a third. Tell this exact story and don't take any events out but cut it down by a third. And she had to basically scrutinize every word and make it more action-packed, faster moving, just by eliminating words. Yeah. And so publishing houses do that. They tell them, you use too many words to say this thing.
0: Yeah. Generally speaking, a modern book is going to be a better read-aloud than an older book. I mean, there are some, like, The Secret Garden is a little bit of an old book, and it makes a great read-aloud. But it also is pretty plain, simple, straightforward language.
1: Well, I think one of the things that you have to do is go, is this an old book or did it become a classic? If it became a classic, it's probably good.
0: Yeah, but even some classics might be hard for kids. I'm, you know, Treasure Island is a little bit tough to wade through.
1: Yeah, but the Great Illustrated Classics version of Treasure Island is awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, it gets the story fast. And so with the classics,
0: we often read those
1: Great Illustrated Classics versions. Yeah. And that it basically takes the classic version, edits it down a lot so that it's way shorter and you get the same story but in less words. So for young ones, I love that I can do that with my younger kids. They feel familiar with the classics. They're not afraid of them. And then when they're older, it's easy for them to read the longer versions.
0: Another thing that I think is important for a read aloud in particular is a wide age range appeal like like we are talking about um, Where the Red Fern Grows. Mm-hmm. That appeals to adults just as much as it appeals to eight-year-olds. Yeah, You know, it's got this wide age range appeal. Everybody can get something out of that book. And that's, that's almost the perfect read-aloud right there, that Where the Red Fern Grows is a, is a great example of a perfect read-aloud yeah. because of that wide appeal. When you're thinking about that though, you have to take in consideration your kids. If I had kids all under the age of eight, I probably wouldn't be reading chapter books at all. When my kids were that little,
1: we just, our read-aloud was, we chose 10 picture books. Yeah. Which is actually a lot, but I'd have them choose 10 books and we'd read the stack of books every night before bed. I would let them each choose one. We have six kids. So that was almost 10. (laughs) That's almost 10. Yeah. We just always had a 10 book thing. I'd say, okay guys, go get 10 books. And we'd have a stack of 10 books and we'd read through the 10 books. And, you know, if we got interrupted and we didn't get to it, that's fine. We still read.
0: But know. when when I had when I had kids who were older and I also still had little ones, I did read chapter books. Oh yeah. So, you know, we I the little kids just were allowed to come and go as they needed to.
1: You know what I did? I read the 10 books when they were little, like the 10 picture yeah. books. And then when I had older ones, we would read picture books and then we'd read, you know, our chapter in the bigger book that we were reading. And then now I don't have any picture book age. So now we've kind of graduated to we all do that, but it kind of grew as our family grew.
0: Yeah, so you just have to adjust it to whatever ages your children actually are. One of the things that I actually look for in the chapter book read-alouds is short chapters.
1: I don't necessarily not read a book if it has longer chapters, but I like shorter chapters because If we only have time for one chapter, we read one. If we
0: have time for more, we're like, wow, we read five chapters. We were reading a book not too long ago set in the American Revolution. And it was a fairly good book. I wouldn't say it was a great book, but it was a pretty good book. And it opened my eyes to some new aspects of the Revolution that I hadn't known before. But the chapters were so long. Like it took an hour. can't get through it. It took an hour to read one chapter. That was that was ridiculous. I was like, this needed to be cut up a lot more. It also needed to be edited way down, like yeah. you were saying about, you know, that good publishing houses will say, cut that down. it down. Somebody, yeah. they needed a better editor to tell them to cut out some of that stuff because it was, the core of the book was great. Great storyline, great plot, great characters, but it was a little wordy in the chapter for way too long. If it takes too long to get to the great story, people just lose interest along the way. I also think that any genre works Picture books make great read-alouds. Novels, biographies, nonfiction, we've done all of them. So I actually intentionally work at going across several
1: genres. My kids, if they chose, they would choose fantasy every single time.
0: I don't know about your kids, is that their genre? Fantasy is probably their favorite, but I've also got some nonfiction buffs, especially my youngest. He, he prefers nonfiction, I think. My kids love
1: fantasy. We read a lot of nonfiction, especially with layers of learning, but they don't fall in love with it the same way. But even though they're not in love with every genre, I'm like, okay, we need to read a mystery book because we haven't really read one in a while. We need to read a historical fiction. I want to read them a biography. We try to stretch across the genres so that they can experience different things. I let them choose a lot, but I also choose books so that they're stretched into places that they wouldn't go on their own.
0: Now, because we love read alouds so much and we love books so much, all through the layers of learning units, we have sidebars called bookworms. The very first one in each unit is intentionally set aside kind of as a read aloud suggestion. Like everything in layers of learning is a suggestion. It's not a checklist of things you have to do, but we've chosen a book that goes with the unit that makes a great read aloud. And then all through the rest of the unit, there's other books that you could either read aloud or you know hands to your child. But we love those Bookworm sidebars.
1: Okay, so this is one of the things that has become a favorite of Layers of Learning families that we didn't expect when we described the new Layers of Learning program. I don't even know if we mentioned it. Did we mention that we added those? I don't remember. That. I don't. That we, was... we changed a lot in you know from the classic version to the new, and this is one of the changes that we decided to add Bookworm sidebars. And before we added them, this has always been something we've done. We've always read aloud to our kids. But we decided, hey, let's put it into the program so that other people can see the kinds of books that we're reading. And so we've incorporated those in. And when I ask, what's your favorite thing about the new layers of learning? That comes up more than anything else. People love having the bookworms suggestions. So I'm really glad we added those in. I am too. We have loved reading the books that we suggest to you too. It's fun to have a full gamut of it. But they're not required and they're not really
0: super specific to the topic. They're connected in some way. Right. Sometimes they're connected closely and other times it's looser. It depends on how easy it is to connect the subject. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of non-fiction or fiction books about chemistry for kids. It's just really hard. So, you it's know. It's hard for art too. <laughs> yeah, it's art really is hard. really hard
1: to find books So it for depends
0: art. on the subject. But like, here's an example of one. From the Earth and Space course, there's the Planet Earth unit. And the bookworms that we choose as a read aloud is Jules Verne's Journey to the Center of the Earth. And the original, I would only read aloud probably to teens. But, you know, right in the sidebar we say, find an abridged version. To yeah. read aloud to all of your kids. Because, I mean, it's it's a great story. And it's not connected super carefully to planet Earth. I mean, obviously, it's, it's a fantasy version of yes. Earth. But it still, like, sparks your interest. And you think, what if it was like this, you know? Yeah, it's a connection. And it
1: creates talking points. And it's interesting to think about the Earth in a story format when you're learning about it in a very scientific way format.
0: Well, and one of the fun things about this book is that it was written before we knew anything scientifically about the center of the earth. We didn't know what was in there. And people really had proposed that perhaps there was a hollow core in there, right? Maybe it's hollow inside there. Maybe you can go in there. And so this novel was written at that time when people were still asking questions about what's under the earth. And so the author, Jules Verne, wrote, well this is what I think is under there. You know, it's kind of, it's a great way to have a discussion about how science advances and how the ideas we think might be true will often end up not to be later, but it doesn't matter. It's all about the process and, you know, figuring things out and and then you can also have the discussion about what if it was like this, you know.
1: Yeah. One of the things that I think would be overwhelming to people, if they looked at the bookworms and they felt like they had to read all of them, you couldn't. No, there's not time. There's no way you could. But I enjoy having it there so that you can go. Okay, which one of these would be our favorite? Let's pick this one up and try it. And you will end up trying things that you wouldn't have probably read.
0: And it jog's your memory too. Like, oh yeah, that book. You know, like, yeah. kind of, kind of helps you remember to keep these things on your radar. And oh yeah, we can read that during this time. Or
1: Michelle, imagine like imagine all four years of layers of learning and you've got a bookworm suggestion, just that first one even, just take that first bookworm suggestion in each unit. If you had that library, like each one of those books, so basically four books for each month, month, but put all of them together on a bookshelf and think of that library, you'd be like, oh, I have a beautiful library. (laughs) Because they're just great read-aloud books. They're great books, yeah. So we're going to list off a whole bunch of our favorite read-alouds, you already know them from the bookworm sidebars. We're basically telling you we're putting that into the program. But a lot of you often ask us, What are your favorite read alouds with your kids? So we decided, first of all, to ask our kids and we started jotting down what they said. We're going to list off a whole bunch of books that we like. I don't want you to get out a pen and paper or anything. You don't need to do that because we're actually going to create a link so that you can see all of our favorites. So if you go to the show notes page on layersoflearning.com on the podcasts, you'll be able to see these books that we're mentioning that are our very favorites. We're not going to do this in any kind of a um, unit-by-unit order because you see that in the bookworm sidebars, but we're just going to tell you a few favorite
0: books that we've read with our kids. Well, not all of these that we're going to mention are in the units necessarily. There's, There's more, like... We're going to mention more than are in the units. Right. right. <laughs> or things that are outside the units. But one, one Karen that my kids loved, which I didn't expect them to love, but we all loved it, is Gifted Hands. It's the Ben Carson story, and it's a biography. We chose the young reader's version. I like the young reader's versions whenever there is one, uh-huh. because they're shorter, and they often, if there's something that might be questionable, they take that out, you know. Yeah. But But that story was so inspiring to us biographies amaze me because when I pick it up, I
1: think, uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is really going to interest us. Almost every time you read a biography, we get interested because you just get
0: to see into someone's life. It's interesting. Well, and it's almost always someone who's overcome something, yeah. right? Otherwise they wouldn't be writing. <laughs> That's why the book was written about Yeah. That. Yeah.
1: One of the book series that we ended up loving and I was surprised by it was the Vanderbeekers series. And it's just a story of a family who lives in New York and it's just these kids adventure this was actually recommended to me by one of the layers of learning families and I had never heard of it and she said your kids will love this and they did love it it's a little picture of this life of a family in the city and my kids have only experienced really the country I mean we've experienced the neighborhood we call it but never the city what it would be like to live in the city And it's a fascinating story of everyday life with these kids. We loved that series.
0: Um, One that we loved is Gentle Ben. This is an oldie. I mean, it's from, it's one that our mom read to us when we were children. It's about a boy who uh, finds a bear cub. He lives in Alaska and he finds this bear cub and he raises it and it gets too big for the town. And so there's a big, you know, what are we going to do with the bear? And that's kind of the the conundrum of the story. That's one of our favorites. Another one from our childhood
1: that I loved and then my kids also loved was the Boxcar Children.
0: Oh. I,
1: I don't love think the you can read children. that series without going outside
0: and playing house like playing Boxcar Children. You desperately it's, need a boxcar after that.
1: Our neighbors have a boxcar on their property and every time I see it, I envy them. I go, <laughs> "Oh. It's it's this real train car and I don't know exactly how we got it. It's one of those that it's been there forever and it's just sitting on his land and it's right at the border of our two properties and I just salivate over that. I'm like oh my, my children need that to play in but it, it belongs to the neighbor. I can't have it. <laughs> but the only reason I would even want it is
0: because I fell in love with this book. One that we listened to on a family trip we listened to an audiobook is called Shipwreck at the Bottom of the World. It's about Ernest Shackleton and his ill-fated attempt to reach the South Pole. They get stuck in the ice. And it's an incredible story because they should have all died. But he got them all back to civilization. Every single member of his crew, he helped them survive and they all made it back. It's an incredible Fascinating. story. Fascinating. Yeah. And we listened to that when we were driving. That's... That, my kids weren't even that old. Like, a lot of them were pretty little. And the, the youngest ones don't even remember it anymore. It was, you know, a long time ago. But they're stuck in the car. What are they going to do? They listened to the story. <laughs> it was really good. It was very fascinating.
1: Uh, I would say another one from our childhood that I loved, that my kids also loved, was Charlotte's Web. That's just a classic that... Yeah, all of them by E.B. White.
0: Everything. You yeah, anything. Yeah.
1: And... Again, it's not like that's a terribly different world. I mean, quite honestly, we live on acreage and right now I have three pigs in my barn and you know, my kids kind of do experience this story but there's something magical about Charlotte's web and his his writing and you know, it's just a good well, book. again
0: simple language straightforward Interesting it's, story, but it's got deep themes, but it's never preachy. Yeah, and that's that's the best kind of books. Yeah, you can spot the themes, but they're not like, we wrote this book so that you learn this theme. (laughs) Yeah. Did your kids like the Little House series? Did you read that to them? I don't think we read the whole thing. We read Farmer Boy Aloud, and that one, they absolutely loved that one. You know, that's something that I have done
1: with my kids quite a few times. Like, I read Little House in the Big Woods, I read a number of them, and then my kids took off on their own and read the rest of the series by themselves you know like i'll often start them out and get them hooked on a series and then they'll go read it on their own if we don't get to the whole series as a family so
0: that's kind of fun we read a lot of series books we do too i mean of course we've read harry potter oh yeah not only not only have we read that one aloud we we have on audiobook and the we all, the entire family, we listen to it over and over. And oh, over. so do we. And my kids
1: can start anywhere with their favorite stories. It doesn't have to be that they start at the beginning and listen through. They'll be like, "Let's
0: skip to our favorite part," and they'll go to some chapter that they love. Have you ever read the Encouragable Children of Ashton Place? No that series. Oh my gosh, I need to. It's yes, it's really good. The first one is called The Mysterious Howling, and it, the, basically the story is this governess, very young, she's like seventeen. She she comes and she lives with this wealthy family who have adopted these children who they found on their land. Okay, so these are feral children that were found on their land. And so she's the governess to these three feral children. And, feral children. And she, it's the most hilarious because she's this very prim and proper governess. And she's always telling them, now don't, you know, be careful drinking your tea while they're running around the room howling and ripping down the curtains. <laughs> Playing in the mud. <laughs> but she's super effective as a governess. It, it's, it's a funny series, but it also has a really good plot. Like, it's it's just very good.
1: <laughs> uh, my kids love the Ranger's Apprentice series. Oh, that's one of our favorites. And then they... See, we read that entire series together, and then they read the Companion... Like, the Brother Band. Yeah, the Brother and, Band yeah. series on their own. Mm-hmm. Like, I've read some of the Brother Band series, but they've read all of them. And the Royal Ranger.
0: Oh, yes, yes, we have that yes. on our bookshelf, too. We have all of them. We also read The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind... This is also a biography, it's an autobiography by William Kaklumba. I'm not sure I'm saying that name right, but he is a young man from Malawi and his family was in poverty like most people are in Malawi. Mm-hmm. And it talks about this, his struggles of trying to get an education. I mean, it goes through. he's going through the middle of a famine. In Malawi, in order to go to school, you have to pay and his family couldn't afford the school fees. And so he goes to this little local library that had been set up by Charity. And he he doesn't know how to read English. So he teaches himself English so he can read the books in the library that are about electricity. And he learns about electricity and he learns to read English. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Like, you're, it's a completely different language, different characters. Everything about it is different. Like, imagine you're just thrown and you've got a Chinese book and that you have to learn how to read out of that. I mean, it's just well, incredible. His story is incredible. And it's not probably simple reading. Because no, it's technical reading. Yeah. And he had to get help from various people. And it, it, you know, at different times, people help him out and stuff. But he builds a windmill in his village that his family uses to charge cell phones and to turn on lights. They didn't have lights. They couldn't charge their phones. Some people in the town had phones, but it was really hard to get them charged. And I'm like, Wow. I mean, just, just thinking about that world, and this, this book is a very recent. William Kamkwamba is still a young man. Wow. You know, he's, he's an engineer now. He came to the United States and got an engineering degree. <laughs> I feel like he should have just earned an honorary degree by what he did. And <laughs> he's working on windmills. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. So it's, it's pretty incredible. His story is amazing. And so this is very recent, you know. Well, it's
1: impossible that, to read a book like
0: that and not value your education a little bit more.
1: Like you well, don't even realize what you have because yes, well, it's compulsory
0: electricity. I, I don't think we oh, realize yeah. how important things like electricity and plumbing are because we have them. Because we have them, we forget that if we didn't have them, life what it would, would be, be like really hard. And yeah. going camping for a week is not the same as not having electricity. Ever. No,
1: and yet camping does remind me how much I value. <laughs> That's true.
0: <laughs> Although I really can't say like
1: we camp in an RV. Both you and I camp in RVs, so we can't. Well, even... now, yeah, but, but I, I mean,
0: I also backpack. But I'm saying we're pretty <laughs> yeah. posh. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Even our backpacking gear is posh. I mean, he talks about, you know, not having shoes, you know? It's just, it's a completely different... It was very, very eye-opening. And we now know where Malawi is and we will never forget, you yeah. know, what you this connect. country is like. You connect, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, a series that we loved was The Land of Stories. Did you guys read that one? Yeah. That's interesting because it takes all of the familiar, think familiar fairy tales, and it connects them into a new story. So you come across Snow White, you come across all of the characters that you already know, but their personalities are a little bit different than what you expect, often a little opposite of what you expect. And it's really interesting to have them all woven in to this brand new story. So my kids really like that.
0: Uh, one that we love is Summer of the Monkeys. And that's also by Wilson Rawls, who wrote Where the Red Fern Grows. It's the same author. Great author. Great author. Yeah. That's one that and, we read as kids, too. Have, yeah. And Rascal. Do you remember Rascal by Sterling North? Yeah. yeah. Rascal's a great book. It's set during World War II, and this boy adopts a raccoon. And there's a lot of mayhem that ensues. See, stories
1: like that make me know I never want a raccoon. Yeah. And yet, <laughs> there are people who love them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the Indian in the Cupboard. Oh yeah, we've read that one a lot too. So this is, yeah, you're probably familiar with it. I don't know, does everyone know this book or is it just... Everyone in the United States probably does. Yeah, it was read to know. us as kids, so I think it was one of the standard ones. But
0: about this little toy who comes to life. Right. Omri puts him in a magic cupboard and he turns the key and the little figure comes to life. And he has adventures with the figure and who's who is now a real person. Yeah right really alive so, not yeah. just yeah not just a not just a moving toy but a miniature human yeah so it, and it takes place in new york city which again new york city is a foreign land to us here to in, us. in the wilds of north idaho <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it really is you it's know it's that a dif- it's a, it's different a completely world. different culture yeah <laughs> Now,
1: when my kids go to New York, they're always like looking with wide eyes like, oh my goodness, it doesn't feel like this is America. And I'm like, a lot of people who come to America, this is the place that they come to experience America. But this is so different than our <laughs> America. It's yeah. funny. There's no trees, <laughs> Unless you're in Central Park. Oh, I love Central Park. It's the, when I'm in New York, that is the place that I go, like to feel at home. <laughs> right. right. Because of the Oh my gosh, there's dirt. Yeah. <laughs> go climb some rocks there's a flower <laughs> yeah it's our everyday existence here yes yeah. that's, like,
0: that's the park there yeah
1: another new york one is cricket in times
0: square oh i love the cricket in times square it's i've read a, that one a lot great,
1: great great story um what i don't know what are you guys reading right now
0: we're we're reading the story that cannot be told which oh, i mentioned yeah. earlier yeah, yeah. The, the, that takes place in romania
1: we're reading a series called the unwanted have you heard of that one no Okay, so this is actually a book that my husband had on audiobook, and he said, You should read this to the kids. They would love it. And it's a whole series. Basically, it's a very dystopian type of book where this group, they, they live on islands. So on each island, it's kind of a different experience. And on this one island, if you are at all creative, if you dream, if you create art, draw, color, anything like that, then you are banned from society you are labeled an unwanted and you're sent away presumably to die but then there's this mage who has created a separate world that is hidden and it's where all of the unwanted go and he teaches them how to be creative and how to do magic it's a pretty fascinating story and it's completely different than any world that we know you know not even a real world but it's really fascinating to think about is creativity a curse or is it a gift? And in the land where they were banning it, they were afraid of it. They were afraid that if someone was creative, they might come to power. They might do something scary. You know, become magical in a way that could threaten the others. And so they just kill off all the creative people. Well, that sounds deep and a it's, little bit
0: depressing. <laughs> it's not though.
1: It's it's actually these little kids who discover magic within themselves. And they discover loving painting and drawing and being creative in all sorts of ways. And they talk about how creativity is across the board. It's not just an art thing. It's about right. everything. Right. So that whole part that's deep and scary is maybe the first little part where they get banned, and then you enter their magical
0: world where they okay okay where they thrive. We should check that one out. Yeah, I haven't read that. It's really really good. On a, on a lighter note. <laughs> I love Pippi Longstocking. Oh, me Isn't too. Isn't that the greatest? I love Pippi. Pippi Longstocking. This is actually I by a Swedish about, author. I haven't thought about that book in like so many years. It's P- so good. Her pigtails that stand up <laughs> are the best thing about her. Yeah, I, I love
1: Pippi Longstocking. But what's not great about Pippi Longstocking? Like, she was just a okay, fun
0: like character. A lot of times, books with a girl protagonist, are they don't appeal to boys, or a lot of boys think that, eh, I can't like that. Pippi Longstocking is not like that. I mean, <laughs> even when we were kids, I think our mom read that one aloud to us yeah, we and, heard that and when we, were kids. we have four brothers and they didn't have any problem. With yeah, it. we're we're
1: outnumbered. We were the two girls with four boys. And I don't know, did she
0: tailor to that? I don't think so. She just read all kinds she of She just read all kinds of mom things. Mom read everything to us. Yeah. I mostly things that you would consider children's classics. That's what we got. Mrs. Piggle
1: Wiggle that was a favorite of our childhood yeah <laughs> we loved Mrs. Piggle Wiggle stories we loved them so much that we started telling Mrs. Piggle Wiggle oh, stories oh yeah we did yeah. I
0: forgot about that
1: so we would come up with all of these Mrs. Piggle Wiggle stories and we did actually you? we did it when we were little so that you would either add on a word or a phrase do you remember that yeah so we would say once Mrs. Piggle Wiggle was sad and her family died <laughs>
0: Why? Sorry. But, but yeah, that's what we got every like.
1: other word. Like when we were in the car or if we were going to sleep or if we were like, I don't know, playing anything. Yeah, we, we would that. go around the circle and each person would add a word and we would come up with these stories about Mrs. Piggle Wiggle because we, we
0: loved her. Are we weird?
1: We are totally weird. That's what makes us awesome. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> but yeah, I've, I will always remember Mrs. Piggle Wiggle because we
0: just loved that character and we'd create stories about her. I completely forgot about making up those stories. That is so funny. <laughs> that was a huge part of our uh, travel. Like if,
1: if you were bored then, you didn't turn on a show, you told Mrs. Pickle stories.
0: Yeah, there was no internet. No, and shows... This that, was the 80s, people.
1: At, at that time, shows only came on when they came on. You couldn't stream things. Right. So if it was certain times of the
0: day, there was just positively nothing to watch. <laughs> yeah. So, so we told stories. Yeah. Um, City of Ember. Oh. You read that one aloud to your kids, right? Yes. City of Ember. That's I, a I love
1: one. that as you're reading that. So it's a book where you don't even know what's happening in the story. Do we ruin it for people? Do they know? Do we
0: tell what it's don't, about? Don't don't tell the end. Just tell the beginning. How they're in they're in an under they're they're living in this world where everyone's assigned a job, and like when you turn was it 13 or something like that, yeah, you're assigned a job, and the the main character becomes a runner like she's a messenger girl right yeah and she has to deliver the messages because they don't have another system for communication they don't have phones and, and it, they have to keep the lights on the electricity going and she starts to wonder what's going on because they keep having blackouts the lights flicker the lights are flickering and people are starting to talk about how they're running out of food and they're getting scared and they're not sure what's going on so it's it's kind of it's a dystopian book but again, it's told from the point of view of a child, so it's not terribly dark, It's but it's, it's adventurous. Not, it's not
1: scary, but you don't know what's happening. And yeah. then at the end, you kind of figure
0: it everything all out. Everything is yeah. Everything, everything
1: revealed. sense. Um, An absolute favorite of ours is Sadako and the Thousand oh, Paper Cranes. Oh, yeah.
0: That one's actually pretty short, but it's good, huh? It's
1: really short. It's one of those books that you just read and then never, ever forget. Yeah. Because
0: you connect with this little girl who's dying of cancer. I don't know what it is, but, like, you can read about an event in history, and it's just whatever it happened, right? But then when you read someone's personal story about it, it makes it real. You care. Yeah. It oh, changes awesome. everything. Yeah, It's that seeing through their eyes, but Yeah. Yeah. It makes
1: it personal. Um, a dystopian story that my kids hated, but I made them read anyway, was The Hunger Games. And that was—I mean—they hated it because they were like, "Mom, this is horrible." I hated it too. It, you can hate a book
0: though, and still love the discussion. Yeah, that it spurs. You, you can you can love what it talks about.
1: Yeah. So I I told them going in, I know that you will hate this book. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> this is one that I want you to read because I actually—that's
0: also want one to I wouldn't read aloud if I had small. No, I wouldn't read
1: that to little ones. Some of these are books that we read to our teens. Um, even we read *To Kill a Mockingbird*. That's another great one for teens, full
0: of discussion. Well, I'd say like fifth grade and up, not just. Well, teens. yeah, but I I'm saying maybe the, maybe like the picture book old. crew. I wouldn't try. Yeah, to read. yeah, I probably wouldn't read that to the eight and under. It has
1: harder vocabulary and bigger discussions than. I would want
0: to have with my young young kids. Yeah. But one that has the same kind of theme as To Kill a Mockingbird is *Roll of Thunder Hear My Cry. Yeah. Remember that book? Yeah. And that is one you could read with younger kids. Yes. Uh, another great one that is uh, it's kind of impactful is When Hitler Stole Pink Rabbit.
1: Oh yeah. We read
0: that aloud and, and that of course it's during World War II. A little Jewish girl and her family flee Germany and go to live in France. And it's all about her struggle. But what I love about in. that
1: book is that it's taking this heavy topic, you know, World War II in heavy. and of itself, heavy. <laughs> yeah. uh, you go, how do I read that to a kid? This makes it so you can read it yeah. to a kid.
0: Well, and this one is is not just about the World War II aspect of it, but it's also the Holocaust, which is even yeah. heavier than heavier. just, you know. So, yeah, and, and it is, I think sometimes when you take a book and tell it through the eyes of a kid... It makes it so you can read it to a child. Like, it's still on the the child's level of understanding and, you know. Yeah. Another World War II one, Snow Treasure. Do you remember that book? Yes. Snow Treasure is awesome. I remember loving that when I was a kid. Mom read that one to us. She did. She read so many books to us.
1: I know. When we say she read this to us, she read this to us, I'm like, it's amazing that she read that much and it's amazing that we remember it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But we do. Yeah, we remember it. Do you remember her reading Hatchet? oh yeah we loved hatchet hatchet is a great book that's a survival story in the canadian wilderness
1: yeah and you read that and you're pretty sure that you should go out into the woods and survive
0: somewhere like you just feel like could i do that i've also been freaked out by dead bodies under the water ever since <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: but that's. <a laughs> uh, she definitely mm-hmm. read the trumpet of the swan to oh, us oh yeah that was a great yep, read. That's a great one. That, that we read as kids, and then we read to our kids. Yep. Um, oh, there, there are some books that maybe do cater more to my daughters, but my sons actually end up enjoying them. Like I don't know. Have you guys read The Goose Girl, Dragon Slippers, Princess Academy? I have read those. those.
0: I have not read them to my kids. I have all boys. You're more, and in, so I felt like it wouldn't really. Yep. Yeah, see, my boys will listen because. I, I read my boys' stories with female protagonists all the time, mm-hmm. but those are a little bit princessy, and I don't know. They just... Yeah, but even like the, the
1: Princess Academy,
0: I kind of wish it didn't say that title. Yeah. Because it's yeah. actually
1: a great story it, yeah. that boys would enjoy boys too, would enjoy too. That's true. but it's hard to get past the cover and if, the title yeah. if you have six boys, you yeah. know? Like, how are you going <laughs> to sell them on that one? But it's actually a great story. Yeah. All of those are really good stories if you can say this isn't just for girls. But it tends to target a a more female audience. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think the the cover is designed for that for sure.
1: Yeah. See, I have two boys and two girls. So we just kind of said, hey, we're doing some of all of it. Like we're reading Hatchet. We're also reading Princess Academy. But actually, they're both great adventure stories.
0: Well, Mm -hmm. my boys love the Royal Ranger every bit as much as they love Brother Band and... Yeah, you know they. They don't care if there's a girl protagonist, but they do care if it's a, romancy type story. They're not interested in that. Yeah, you know, so and but Princess Academy really isn't. I mean, it kind of has those some of that, in it, but it's that's not what it's not about really though. what it's about. Yeah. yeah, if you can get into the story, it's it's actually good. Um, oh, you know what else we read? Huckleberry Finn. Oh yeah. And that Huckleberry Finn does have a little bit of difficult language like it was written long enough ago that some kids have a hard time with some of the language and then it does some dialect you know from mm-hmm. the south so it can be a little bit hard to understand so but the story's so good but the story's so good yeah and and the story is so important you know it, it's about freedom and slavery and human dignity and you know it's got these yeah. and but Mark Twain is the least preachy person I've ever read so (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, this
1: is totally a side jog here but one of the things that I love about reading aloud is that my kids can understand more than they could if they were reading to themselves like let's say we throw in 20 hard words in a chapter If I'm reading it aloud to them, and they're hearing the context, they actually are able to do a little bit more than they could on their own. Yeah, and they don't have to wade through trying to pronounce it. Yeah, you don't want a book that's full of so much of that that it's cumbersome. But at the same time, it allows
0: them to stretch a little beyond their normal reading level and ability. And so I like that. The Black Cauldron. That one just popped in my head, because it's slightly... Again, it was written long enough ago. It was written... I don't know, when was it written? 1930s maybe yeah it's old it's pretty old and it it has a little bit of difficult language and I think kids back then were expected to read on a little higher level than kids are now I don't know partly our our language language has changed yeah but but in any case it's a little bit difficult but the story is you know so good that Mm -hmm. it's easy to get into the whole Pride and Chronicles are awesome and it does kind of help you to grow like
1: you watch your kids understand things that they wouldn't have understood because it's okay if
0: it's a little bit hard. Yeah, so, yeah, you know. I it don't is know. okay if it's a little bit hard, especially if you're reading aloud to them. Yeah, it, like you said, it helps them overcome those barriers, the hurdles that they would have if they were trying to read it alone. The Witch of Blackbird Pond. It's a great discussion
1: book for sure because it's it allows you to talk about how we see different people, especially like on the fragments of society or yeah. you know
0: the The outsiders, mm-hmm. and also the us versus them mentality. Yeah, and
1: do we just look at somebody and think something of them without even understanding them?
0: Yeah, and that that one takes place during colonial America. Yeah, Tuesdays at the Castle is one that I think is actually in a Bookworms side Byron layers of learning. I, I think, think it it's is in too. the geography. Is it in? Yeah, because it's a, it's, a a it's map. got maps in it. Yeah. So. Tuesdays at the Castle it, the, the title doesn't tell you this but it's all about a map that the girl makes of her castle she and the castle's
1: basically an atlas of, yeah she makes of an maps. atlas
0: and, and the, the reason that she has to make such a big atlas is because the castle changes yeah and so on the title is telling you that on Tuesdays the castle is like this yeah. <laughs> you know and that's the first
1: book in a whole series in yeah. a whole bunch and that is a really really fun series that was one of our favorite series i think we got really into that I and mean, you're your isabel really Oh, got super into that. We had an entire Tuesdays at the Castle theme for our homeschool year one year. With you know, Our feasts were that theme. Everything was that theme because she loved, loved,
0: loved those books. Swiss Family Robinson. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Mom read that one to us. She she did. Yeah. And, and that one, again, that's one that has... It was written a while ago, and so some of the language is a little bit different speech patterns than we, we would use now, but as a read-aloud, it works great. And it's definitely interesting enough. If I had littler kids, like, you know, the eight and under crowd plus older ones, I probably would choose an abridged version of it. One that we for sure have to recommend is The Giver. That one's interesting because it's about utopias and they're not usually written for kids. Yeah. And so it's a really great way to look at, okay, what is a utopia actually like in real life? You know, it's not a happy thing. And it's also one of those that, At the end you find out a lot. Yeah.
1: And that's a fascinating book to think about, to talk about. It's one of those
0: that stretches from little kids all the way to adult. It Mm -hmm. still makes me think. Oh yeah, for sure. So all of these books are, I would call them all books that make you think in some way or another or put you in another person's shoes or make you have aha moments where you're like, oh, you know, like it stretches your brain. All in all, when
1: we rattle off all these titles that we love, it might seem overwhelming. It might feel like, oh my goodness, we will not have time to read all of that. But it's amazing how when you just make reading aloud part of your family culture and your life, it's happening in little tiny bits every day. We don't read books every week. We read a chapter each day or whatever. Right, however long it takes, it takes. Yeah, it just adds up. And over your kids' lives... It really adds up to a lot of stories that become part of who they are. So reading aloud is probably the best thing that we've done as homeschool moms. Absolutely, have done the best part of our day. Yeah. We hope that you will enjoy reading aloud with your kids and you can find all of these books that we're recommending on the link on the show notes. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating wherever you listen. Ratings and comments help people find happy
0: family-style homeschooling. Visit us at layersoflearning.com, at Instagram, and on our Facebook group. And make sure to tune in next month for the next podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning!